Hey, it's Games, Grit, and Gratitude, Real Talk with Jean Leggett. Hey, it is Jean Leggett and Roger Reichhart coming at you for a very interesting episode of Games, Grit, and Gratitude today. But before we start talking about our subject matter, Roger, let's do a check-in. How are you doing in the great panini times? Uh yeah. Well, you know, it's been a while since we chatted. We had this episode recorded and then I screwed up and I was really, really mad at myself and really um, not happy with, and I felt like I let you down. So I'm sorry, but um, we're back. We're back. And, and you know, that's, that's just sometimes how life goes. I mean, yeah, we recorded a really great episode because today's episode uh, we're going to be talking about grief and loss and betrayal and broken hearts. And, you know, we're, I, I can't, I'm inspired to call this move on and groove on because what can you do? I mean, we're, we're built to just keep plowing on through. Mm. And, and yeah, I, to be honest, I, I don't think I told you this, Roger, but that last episode when we had recorded, episode eight that we are now re-recording yeah i felt like we kind of rambled all over the place we did well and that was the thing i was gonna like i'm gonna sit down and you know cut some of this stuff out and then i started listening to us like oh no i recorded on the wrong mic i'm not gonna cut anything <laughs> out this is really bad so so i don't know they we are the universe has a funny way of taking care of things. And so we're setting the intention that we want to have a conversation about grief and loss in the workplace. And like, how do you deal with that emotional baggage that is the external world that you bring into your professional space? And I I don't know too many people that haven't had life happening while they've been an employee somewhere. How about you? Yeah, no, agreed. Um, and I think the thing that, you know, we both said about grief is that this is not just, you know, a loss of uh, a friend or, you know, like a, a loved one or a friend, right, um, through through passing away. But this is grief also of things that uh, maybe um, the world, right, like maybe the, the things that you had become accustomed to may have changed. Um, maybe you lost... Uh, maybe a, a funder, right? Uh, somebody, somebody that was giving you some money or something like that, right? So, so it's not just grief of of loss of life, but it's grief of um, opportunity. Opportunity, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of different ways that grief can play rear its ugly head. Yeah, again, loss so. of definitely loss of relationships. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. so we're we're gonna have an interesting conversation today, and so thanks for sticking around and listening to episode eight. I know that we've had a great uptick recently of new listeners to the podcast. Hello, new listeners, and <laughs> and really, what we want to do is just you know have a casual conversation about how these things show up in our journey, and yeah, mostly Gene. I get most of the airtime, and Roger is just. <laughs> he's he's the he's the one that's keeping me on track but um and and always asks some really thoughtful questions so yeah take it away roger take it away okay speaking of questions let me ask you a question um so can you actually provide some examples of times that you experienced loss and what happened and how did you cope with that oh loss? so much loss i mean i've been I'm turning 44 in a couple of months, and I've been an employee of various organizations since I was 16. So that's like 20 years, 28 mm-hmm. years of working. If I were to just focus on the last seven, eight years of being at One More Story Games, even that has quite a bit of loss there. So mm-hmm. um, let, let's just tackle it by types of loss, shall we? And, and listeners, forgive yeah. me if I... Um, I don't want to say that I'm flippant about it, but I'm certainly have, I'm past the situation. So I don't feel the same sort of emotional energy around it. But let me take you back to 2019. And Roger, you, you've been my friend for a while. So you know this story. Mm-hmm. End of January 2019, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And I'm pretty sure it was like stage four. Um, possibly a stomach cancer. My mind, it escapes me. The details escape me. But it was pretty serious. 
And in that exact same time, two weeks later, my husband and I had our landlord say, oh, by the way, this unit you've been in for six and a half years is illegal and I have to ask you to leave. And I was like, oh my God, everything all at once. And yeah, pile it and on. we also did not have income coming in from the studio because our project was delayed. We were burnt out. We had people backing out of investing in us. And I was like, oh, the shit raining down all at the same time. And it was like, okay, so what do you do in those situations? Well, um, it is totally okay to have a blanket burrito day, week, month. It's okay. And I consider myself to be an opportunityist, not an opportunist, that takes advantage of people, but an opportunityist. And and I said, okay, Blair, we're just we we aren't happy here. Let's just pack up our stuff. We'll put it in storage. Put a house and an office in storage. And we threw stuff in the car. And <laughs> and we said to our friends who are scattered all through eastern United States and Canada, I said, Hey, we're going on a hashtag OMSG epic adventure. <laughs> And I didn't want to tell anybody we were homeless. I didn't yeah. want to deal with the loss of my home. I didn't want to deal with the loss of about to lose my father. And and we just, I don't know, food is my coping mechanism. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> um, and then I will tell you that 2019 – was one of the hardest years of my life. So the pandemic was a breeze, to be honest. Because 2019, I had some ugly family stuff going on after my dad passed. It was brutal. It destroyed me. And I learned a lot. And our company suffered. Our company suffered because how? How do you show up? How do you show up when things aren't going well? Everything is a shit show. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to put the adult language one on this episode. Everything is a shit show. You know, somebody's dying. You've got complicated family relationships happening. You've got no money. um, And you just have to get up and find a way through it. Thank God for good relationships and good people. Because we were able to... Um, we have people that, you know, we've talked about the barn raisers, right? I, in, in multiple yeah. episodes, we've talked about barn raisers and there was a friend of a friend who said, Hey, listen, I just sold my house and I have some money and why don't I just loan you some fat stacks and get you guys back up on your feet so you're not homeless anymore. And Blair got a job and we got settled in and we're repaying her. And it's just like, okay, but how do you heal from that? It took us another year just to recover from burnout. And people aren't always forgiving about that because they expect you to heal on their schedule, especially if you're a founder. So we, you know, we experienced a deep loss of friendship with some of our friends and family investors who felt like we had let them down. Listen, I will never pretend to be the best business person. Could we be more timely about investor reporting to our friends and family? Yes. And for a long time, we kept them up to date on everything. And they were along for the roller coaster, the amazing ride. And then we just, we went silent for a year and a half Mm. because everything was falling apart. And that, um, that impacted our relationships with people and, um, some, some inappropriate words were said, said, and, uh, and broke my heart. So that was like another, like, oh, great. We're going to have more betrayal. Super. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's more grief, right? I mean, not more grief on top of yeah. what yeah. you're already dealing yeah. with. Yeah. And I think so. it's really the hard thing is when you are going through difficult times, whether that is depression, anxiety, grief, uh, trauma, PTSD, all of these things that make up the human experience. When somebody turns around and says, you're not healing fast enough, or you're not doing, you're not healing in the, 
appropriately, mm. that makes it very challenging. Yeah. So they can go suck an egg, listeners. Suck an egg. <laughs> that obviously that gets to me. Yeah. Well, I think I think one of the things that you you know I think that you when you were saying this, one thing that I thought of was the fact. Well, first of all, um, when you were going through that, I did not realize that that you and Blair were. <laughs> what did right? you think we were going on a very little adventure, right? I did because do you remember? Do you? I don't know if you remember this, but I said if you swing through Wisconsin, uh, let me know. We can grab lunch together, and you're like, absolutely, right? I had no idea, yeah, that it was because we were homeless, right? I had no idea about that at all. Um, I want to get t-shirts made. I want to get like because <laughs> we're just I don't know. We if anybody who has, is listening has been following us for a couple of years, we just don't know how to do anything small, right? We're, we are resilient. <laughs> this is, we are grit and gratitude and grace and all of those things and resilient, maybe crazy, but I just, we went to Pennsylvania and New York and Massachusetts and New Hampshire and, and Maine, we were all over the place. And then we did the Canadian East coast and, and it was like, I don't know. There was something magical about letting go of everything. Yeah. Letting go of everything. And I remember being in the cabin with Blair. So a friend of ours, very lovely friend, has let us use her cabin in the Berkshires, which is up upstate Massachusetts. And we have nothing. We just have the car. Everything's in storage. No job prospects, nothing. And Blair's like, you know, I think this is the freest I've ever felt in my life. That's first of all, that's that's a that's amazing. Secondly, that's kind of sad that that's you know what I mean. Like anything is possible once you. Yeah. The way that I look at grief, because Blair and I have been through other extraordinarily difficult times in our life, I love when you hit the bottom, when you have cried your eyeballs out, when you have finished feeling sorry for yourself, and you are allowed to feel sorry for yourself. The biggest problem is that we try to rush grief and loss. Mm. But there mm. is beauty in having that down and out wail, pounding your fist on the floor, screaming at the top of your lungs. And then there's that release. Mm. And then there's where can you go once you've hit the bottom? You can only go up. And it's, yeah. I see, because I do so much professional life coaching and business coaching and, and career coaching and leadership coaching, I see quite a few people who are still struggling. And so they're, they're flailing their arms in the water and they're trying, and it's like, you know, it's a lot less effort to just float and to let go of the struggle piece. Floating is an opportunity for you to catch your breath oh. and to and survey what's possible. Um, I mean, we've 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 been through game dev industry losses. Blair was let go from his job at EA in two thousand and nine. I think that in that six month period, they let go of thirty percent of their global staff, which is like massive. Oh. And I remember somebody telling me, hmm, um, Blair was gobsmacked, right? He, he was, I think, let go in the second, in the second round of layoffs. And he was actually on his sabbatical. When you hit seven years at EA, they used to give you a sabbatical. I don't know if they still do. He got laid off during his sabbatical and he was obviously emotionally distraught. And by the way, so here's a little tip for you listeners. If somebody wants to terminate your agreement, do not sign anything the day of. Just say, no, thank you. I'll need to have my lawyers take a look at it. Just just mm. don't allow them to emotionally manipulate you if you are in that space of massive layoffs. Okay? That's that's mm. a tactic that they do. They try to bum rush you out of the building. And no. The answer to that is no. I'd like some time to review this with my lawyer. And magical things can happen when you have a conversation with your lawyer 
and you can find reasons why they need to increase your severance. And let me tell you, it often works. So it might be worth for an hour of a lawyer's time to get your severance enhanced by a couple of weeks or months. Just saying, it worked for us. So Blair was very distraught, and uh, I remember a friend who was not a friend for much longer saying to me, oh, chin up, it'll all be okay. I'm like, that is not what I wanted to hear right now. What I wanted to hear right now is your feelings are valid, this is scary, and we're here for you. Yeah. That's all I wanted to hear. Yeah. Well, and I, so, so I think some things that when you were talking about how, um, you know, you went on this adventure, right? And I didn't know, mm-hmm. right? I had no idea. Can I just ask you a of question? Course. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious. I'm curious. Do you think, were you afraid of, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Were you afraid of like the stigma that saying, hey, we're homeless, like people might be like, oh, you're a yep. failure. I- I'm just curious. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear about your suffering. One of my favorite songs used to be uh, by the Proclaimers. And it uh, goes something like this. Um, Life is full of misery. So take something for it all. Try to ignore it. Don't give it to me. I'm not immune to misery myself. It's such a bore and somebody else. And it goes on and on. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to hear about your misery. I don't. Mm. And and like mm. we're wired to be uncomfortable around other people's suffering, which is unfortunate yeah. because, you know, one of the values that I that is very important to me is like compassion and dignity. And I do try to hold space for people who are having a hard time. My difficulty comes when people have a hard time and they want to stay stuck. And I'm not a professional. I'm not a therapist. And all I can do is say, it sounds like you could really use some professional help through that. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, Mm -hmm. I didn't want people to know about what we were going through. Yeah, absolutely. I was embarrassed. Um, The people who did know were exceedingly generous, like people loaned or gifted us money so that we could pay for our car because that was what our home was. And we weren't, Mm. we weren't, we never slept in our car, but I did sleep in a Barca lounger for three nights. I do not recommend. (laughs) Blair slept on an air (laughs) mattress that kept deflating and he spent the next two nights in the Barca lounger next to me. Uh, yeah, it's, I just, I didn't know what else to do except to figure out what could I, how could I turn this into like a gin martini, a, a lemon gin martini, right? It's hmm. like, I got all these lemons and some of them are rotten. I'm going to throw some at some people. And I, I'll never forget being in that cabin and having the one and only video chat with my dad over FaceTime um, and just racked with tears and sobbing and trying to like figure out what the hell am I supposed to do in this very difficult time? I will say for those of you who don't know this story, here's, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's, if I'm just magical But that was the moment that broke me. And my sister said, he's not going to make it till July because that's when we were, we would have made it across Canada to go and see him. He's not going to make it till July. You need to get out here sooner. My my credit cards are maxed out, 30 grand in debt on like one set of cards. Uh, It was a lot of debt. Everything's maxed out. Remember, no income for many years. That's startup life if you do not strategically do it properly. And I was like, okay, well, I was asked not to discuss his condition on Facebook out of respect. I didn't. And I went on Twitter and I said, I can't tell you why, but I need money like right now. And, and what I can trade you is my time as a coach. Cause you all know me as a game dev, but I've been a professional coach since 2008. I've been a comedian and public speaker since 2005. And if you'd like to hire me, here's the link to my PayPal. And there was like 1500 bucks in my account the next day. And strangely enough, that's what kicked all of this off. Everything with Gene Leggett and coaching and games 
was kicked off from that miserable moment of being at the absolute bottom. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, am I just like a unicorn? Am I lucky? Am I an opportunityist? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but that's, I think that's the, can I just say, that's the thing that I'm trying to understand, right? Because I don't think, because I've been in some pretty low places. I was never homeless. I've been buried in debt. And when I get, when I got buried in debt, when I was really buried in debt, um, I just didn't care. Right. I was just like, whatever, Mm -hmm. like, this is, I'm just going to shut myself off to everything. And I became very uh, isolated. And I don't, I don't, there's, this is, this is the thing I'm struggling with right now, because there are some people in my family that are going through some very difficult stuff. And I want to be that person that helps them through that stuff. But I don't know how to get, I don't know. I mean, I know, I understand that they need to, to do that themselves, but um, I don't, I, how do you, how do you pick yourself up? I don't understand. That's, that's the thing I want to, like, how do you get to the bottom and say, this is the bottom? How do you know you're at the bottom? And then how do you just turn around from that spot and say, let's do this? Let's, let's, you know, think, does that yeah, make sense? <laughs> I mean, I think that there are people who are wired to be more optimistic or pessimistic. There are people who by the force of their trauma have had to deal with, like have had to learn coping skills. I would say that I had a challenging childhood quote unquote, and that's all I'll talk about online. um, Because that'll just open up a whole other can of worms. And you know, those that imparted a special set of skills, as Liam Neeson would say, to to be able to navigate through my life. And, and I think so there's, there's the resiliency, there's the natural body chemistry that some of us are just wired for optimism. And I think the other thing too, is like, there's a cultural nuance too. I always knew the very worst scenario would be I could probably find somebody that would, we're highly employable, right? So when we're talking about job loss, okay, we're highly employable. Let's not worry about that. That's like a, that's, it's just a matter of when you find a job, not if you find a job. And okay, great. That tick that one off. Well, we're Canadian, so I don't have to worry about my health care. Thank God for that. I don't know how you all do it over there. I think you're all batshit. Um, I'm saying shit a lot in this episode because that's how I feel about things. <laughs> so it's it's crazy to me. We didn't have to worry about those things. And so, and if I needed to, there was there was food banks. To be honest, there's probably plenty of times when we should have used food banks. And I thought to myself, mm. well, as long as I have room on the credit card, I should probably leave the food bank for people who don't have that. I, I at least yeah. have something. And I know that I could eventually pay the debt off. Yeah. But it's when your brain starts to get clouded with this, this ongoing grief, because what grief is, is it's trauma. It's a form of trauma. And I think I'm even seeing now with the, the great pancake panini pepperoni pandemic is I'm seeing in the last four months that people are really turtling. I think the, the complex PTSD, especially for those of us who have chosen to live lives of relative lockdown for the safety and consideration of others that it's really taken its toll. There is that loss of relationships, that loss of human yeah. connection. We, the loss of physical touch, right? Like we're, we're all, well, some of us, half of us are collectively grieving and, uh-huh. and also we're also collectively angry at the other half who are like, it's not a pandemic. Um, so there's a lot of loss happening in the world right now. Yeah. I don't even I don't even know yeah. how to deal with it. 
I, this is hard. Yeah. Well, and that's why we chose this topic today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, and not to I mention, mean, like, we, we both know people who have passed from COVID or yeah. have been affected by COVID. And it's like, how do you get up and do your job every day? Sometimes you just don't get up, period. Yeah. You stay in bed. We need to be able to cultivate a sense of rest and recovery. Were yeah. you telling me in the last episode, I think it was, um, you were telling me about you, you had lost your job at one point and things were like really tight for you financially, but you, you had mm. feelings about using the unemployment insurance that you literally had paid into. Mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. When you were saying about the food bank, um, that's, yeah. I mean, so there was a time where I, I didn't lose my job. Tanya lost her job. She lost her job. And um, it was right when the financial market crashed. So like the 2008, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right, um, time frame. We were digging through couch, couch, couch cushions to find change to buy dried soup so we could eat something. Like, literally, that's what we were doing. Um, and yet... We felt like, well, we shouldn't apply for unemployment because, you know, like that people are probably worse off than we are. So they should probably get that than, than we should. And I, I remember I took a class in, uh, in college, uh, around economics and social programs. And the professor said to us, said, why wouldn't you take advantage of a program that you pay into? Um, why wouldn't you do that? Because he asked the same question. He asked, like, how many of you would have taken, how many of you would take unemployment? And nobody raised their hand. Um, and he was just shocked by that. And I mean, it's a true, it's a true statement, but I think that's a, I mean, I hate, I hate saying this, but it, there's a stigma, right? There's a stigma of like, oh, you're just trying to game the system. And the percentage of people that are gaming the system, right? I don't mind helping people out. In fact, Mike, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, you know, if I see people that are down and out, I will give them money because that's just the right thing to do. Right. Um, and if and <laughs> I'm not going to be like, you can only use this money though, if you do this with it. Right. Like this, it's not my place. Right. Like I feel like there's a, if I'm going to be, there's a, a lot of shame around being vulnerable. Yeah, there is there. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what I was asking. Right. When, when you were saying how, you know, this is an opportunity for us, which what, right? I'm not saying that it wasn't, but I was the same way. It was like, I didn't want to any, anybody know like how yeah. awful it was. We had our house. This is, this is like, this is another example of like what happened to us, but we had a house um, that we couldn't sell. We couldn't sell. We couldn't sell. We couldn't sell. Um, and we, we decided that we were going to, because we were, my wife was living in, in the house and it was like, I don't know, like 80 miles away. No, more than that, 120 miles away from each other. So we were like a couple hours away from each other. Um, I took a new job somewhere else and we decided let's just, you know, we, it would be cheaper for us to buy a, a house uh, where we we're moving to. Um, and based on both of our sellers at the time, we could afford two homes and with the idea that obviously we we're going to sell the right. other one, right? Um. But because we weren't living in that, we had to pay higher insurance and then a pipe, pipe burst in that house and flooded the house. And our insurance agent at the time said, well, I guess it's good news because basically the house is totaled. I mean, you're going to get paid out on that house. And we're like, well, I guess. And then she said, oh, actually, there's a rider on that. You d you're not going to get paid on the house. We foreclosed on that house. And the bank tried to get us for everything. They tried to get us to go into bankruptcy. It was not a good situation. It was really, it was probably the, one of the most difficult things. And that's when I said, when we were buried in debt, we were buried in debt. You know, our we had such good credit and our credit tanked. And, you know, at that point, I was like, you know what? I don't really care about anything. And, you know, like point. I think about, to me, when we're talking about, like, move on and groove on and, and dealing with loss and grief and and all of these things, it's like, it's that, it's that emotional heaviness, right? Yeah. We all know we have, 
chances are we've all walked in on a colleague in the bathroom that is crying or somebody who just doesn't seem like they've been themselves for a while. They are not performing the way that they have normally performed. And you might find out months later that they were undergoing some kind of medical experience that uh, maybe it was treatment, maybe it was whatever it is, right? It's none of our business. People do not owe us an explanation for how they show up at work. All we can do is hopefully find ways to cope and manage and not inflict damage and hurt on, on other people. Somebody shared something with uh-huh. me earlier today, and it was – you know how we heard we hear the phrase hurt people hurt people? Well, good people hurt people too. Yeah. We sometimes say things that it comes out of our mouth. We can't take it back. Like, man, if I could ever just catch a phrase and like yank it back into my mouth, would love to be able to do that. And when we are dealing with or not dealing with grief and loss, it shows up. It it impacts businesses, it impacts productivity, it impacts the product quality, it impacts relationships. I was stunned when two of our friends and family investors said what they said about this. And and my comeback to them was, hi, we just survived the most brutal year of having lost my parent, been homeless, and the additional family stuff that went on top of that after being like broke for two years, trying to make the startup work so that we didn't walk away from it because we respect our friends and family investors. Most people would have walked away. Uh-huh. Most people would have said, well, you know, we tried. And I was like, no, yeah. we're not, we're not done yet. And, and I was so angry that they couldn't give us that space to breathe. Yeah. So guess what? I cut them out of my life. They're, they're still on our shareholder list. But surround yourself with people who give you that acknowledge. So come back to Hua. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Hua before. Heard, understood, and acknowledged. Hua from the military thing. It's like you need to find your people that will hear your pain that understand and have empathy for your pain and acknowledge that it's okay for you to feel that way and to create a safe space for you to process that trauma. Whether that's you've had a bad week, you've had a bad month, you want to quit your job, great, talk to a career coach, hello. Um, or, <laughs> or if it's something deeper and you're dealing with domestic violence or the loss of a, a family, an immediate family member, or whatever it is, and if find a therapist. You know, if you've listened to episode five before you got to this episode, you'll know that Blair and I had a really difficult time in our first year of our startup, and our marriage nearly came undone. And and that was a big betrayal to sort of work through. But I'm of the opinion, and maybe this is survivor bias because I'm so resilient, I feel like Bottom is not a bad place to be once you get there because then you don't have to flail anymore. You can literally just stop Mm -hmm. flailing and float back up and groove on to the next thing. Well, let's move on to the next question, (laughs) Jean. Speaking of moving on. Um, So, I mean, we kind of alluded to this, right? So um, when... You look at broken relationships. Um, can you talk about how you move on from that? I mean, in what what point do you know that it's time to move on? And um, I guess another question along with that is, um, how do you let somebody know that, I guess, or I mean, hmm. if you want to leave the door open, you can, but I mean... How do you how do you move on? And if you do want to leave that door open, how do you leave the door open? Or how do you say this is you know this is this is it? We're cutting our ties, right? There are so. some really great life coaches on TikTok, and you probably hear me talk about TikTok from here and there. You don't owe anybody closure, and nobody owes you closure. 
maddening on both ends because we are we are wired to want closure we are wired to want some kind of definitive truth about why things ended the way that they did i remember when those two friends and family investors said what they said there are things i could have said back to them and i was like nope thank you i'm done nothing that i could have said to quote unquote defend ourselves would have fixed the situation. Those relationships were damaged. And, you know, using my logical, rational brain, I can see the mechanics of why that happened. And I just go, okay, that's your choice. I also have a choice. So when it comes to toxic relationships, like I I think we've also talked a little bit about um, red flags and making sure that you're hiring appropriate people. Listen, we have had our challenges of hiring people that were not a great fit. And we've hired some really great people and we've hired some people that weren't a great fit. And it's like, there are going to be people for whom you leave the door open. And you just say, not not now. This relationship is not healthy in this moment, but I'd love to revisit that. That's a mature adult perspective on that. And then there are people where you can just say, nope, I'm done. Case in point, um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, this woman, always watch out for people who don't have any friends, who all of a sudden show up in your life, flatter you nonstop, and want to become your best friend, right? Mm. Er, 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 like huge warning bells, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, why yeah. don't you have best friends? Where are the other people in your life? guess what? Warning sign, they've driven them all away because they're not right. I don't want to label it, but probably narcissism. And and so this person came into my life and man, this was before, before I realized how not to get suckered into narcissists. Um, came into our life and things went down pretty shady and she said some things and I was like, nope. No, thank you. I do not subscribe. Unsubscribe. <laughs> And just just recently, mm. I saw her snooping around my LinkedIn like two, three weeks ago. I'm like, nope, blocked. No, thanks. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to bring crazy back into your life. Yeah. Does that mean that I'm a cold, unfeeling person, Roger? I set boundaries. Um, I set boundaries. I am overly forgiving, but I'm only forgiving when people ask for forgiveness and forgiveness comes with remorse and, and I'm not in the business of educating people on why they should be remorseful. Hmm. Well, it's interesting that you said about the, you know, wanting closure and that, you know, nobody owes you closure and you don't want anybody else closure. Um, because I do think, I mean, that is a really good point. I do think that we're wired that way to want closure. One of my favorite shows is Modern Family. And there's an episode where this couple gets divorced. Uh, and, and Phil, one of the characters, is like, wants to know why, right? So, because he doesn't want it to happen to him, mm. right? And I think maybe that's why we, you know, that's why I think some of the things that we want answers of how do we avoid that same mistake, right? How do we avoid that in the future, maybe? And maybe that's why we want closure, too, so that we understand what what went wrong um, and how we can um, avoid it next time. But yeah, I mean, it's a good personally, point. That we don't owe personally, I would love to have closure, but I don't think my composure... I would not have anything nice to say. Like the mm. the red flags, the red flags were there leading up to these incidents. And and so we actually can see the red flags. We just choose to ignore them. Go mm. back to the episode on red flags. I can't remember. It might have been episode six, perhaps. But there are red flags. Stop ignoring the red flags. Please, dear God, listen to me. The red flags were there. When somebody says they were blindsided, it's not that they were blindsided. I love you. You were not blindsided. The red flags were there. You chose to ignore them. I've yet to meet somebody who said, oh, my God, I was completely blindsided. And they really were. No, no. The the signs of withdrawal or 
insecurity or jealousy or gaslighting or, you know, instability, they're there. And, and how do you learn about those things? Sadly, the answer is going through it. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. I've had my heart broken so many times, but I just get back up. I'm like, okay, who's going to break my heart next? And, and, and I, and I hope, and I hope <laughs> I'm a sucker. Um, I just refuse to believe that people are miserable. Uh, I want to believe the best in people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of leads me to my next question then too, is, you know, how do you, cause you are a very positive person, right? And like, you are very resilient. Um, you've faced a lot of challenges and you're always able to pick yourself back up. How do you find the energies? What do you, what do you do to re-energize yourself so that way you can face those challenges? Um, so that way, you, you know, if you have a bad day, um, you can, are there, are there certain tips, I guess, that I, I guess that you can rely on that you're like, okay, I know this will work. Here's my dirty secret. Sometimes things don't get done. Mm. Right? There's a, a great TikToker who talks about house cleaning. And she says, a dirty house does not mean you're a bad person. A clean house doesn't make you a good mm. person. There is no morality attached to a dirty or a clean house. And, you know, we need to stop assigning a, a personal moral value to accomplishments to like, it's ridiculous. And so yeah, I, I have spent, I am pushing, I am burning the candle at both ends right now because I love what I do. I'm kind of addicted to it. And I also have some, some goals, right? And so in order to meet those goals, I need to work as hard as I'm working right now. So what does that mean? It means that I don't have any energy for fun, which is so sad which is so sad. This is not the advice to give to my own clients. I'm my own worst client, by the way. And <laughs> so I occasionally will spend two full weekend days in bed mm. because I don't have the energy. The gift in that, because there's a gift in everything. The gift is that I'm learning to just be okay with not having the energy for that. And it doesn't make me a good or bad person. It just is what it is. Huh. Right? If I try, because I'm self-employed, I mean, if I'm not working, I'm not getting paid. So I try to focus my energy on the things that get me paid or the things that will help me eventually get paid. And then the rest is just... If there's anything left over, it goes to Blair, it goes to myself, it goes to my friends. But I will tell you, when I was dealing with the after effect of my dad passing, I spent a lot of time in bed crying. And it, I wasn't crying about the grief of his passing. He was in a lot of pain. I was crying because of all the garbage that was going on, that it just destroyed mm. me as a human. There was no work getting done. But when I had to go and teach, I showed up to my classroom and I taught. And then I would go back to bed. We need to... I like that advice. We, we need, we need <laughs> to really stop trying to push ourselves into hustle mode all the time. No. No. You only You can only handle so much. It is okay to put some of that load down. Huh. Yeah, I like that advice. How uh, are you going to implement it, Roger? <laughs> uh, well, I think I am going to not uh, not get so stressed out when things are not done the way I thought they should be done or that they're done at all, right? Because tomorrow's another day. And, and, and it's, it's hard sometimes to think that. Um, but it's good to hear you say that because I see 
I see you as like the hustler, <laughs> right? Like you are, you are, you are constantly, you know, out there, you know. When I'm on, I am on. Friend. Yeah. But to hear you say, you know what? Sometimes things don't get done. I'm like, holy crap. Like, I don't know why, but that just seemed like that is not, the, that is not the advice I thought you were going to give. Okay. And it really, it, but no, but it's really good though. Because I think that that's what a lot of people, I think that there's, a, it's interesting because we talked about grief. I think one thing that I started to come to with this conversation is that sometimes grief and shame, I mean, this perception of shame, yeah. I should say, right? Not shame itself, but perception of shame sometimes go hand in hand. Um, and, and it's, it's it's a cultural thing and it's not a good thing. Um but everything that we said, I mean, yeah, I've I've experienced myself where you're down in the dumps and if you tell anybody about what you're going through Just take um, a shower, Roger. Just go outside for a walk, Roger. Yeah, exactly. Just eat some fruits and yeah. vegetables, Roger. Roger, are you hydrating? Yeah, exactly. Listen. Go suck an egg, yeah. okay? Sometimes you just need to wallow yeah. in grief, set the timer, and say, okay, I, I'm i going to give half an hour to this this bullshit grief stuff. I, I've got to set the timer because I have to – there are things that you have to get up and do, right? Yeah. And and so yeah. set that timer. Half an hour today is like super depressive mode. I don't know if this will work for everybody. It probably won't. But give it a try and be like, this half an hour dedicated from 8.15 a.m. to 8.45, I am just going to wallow and cry. And at 8.46, I have to drag myself into the shower so that I can be clean and presentable for work because we do need to have the thing that is going to pay our bills or maybe have the support network or the support systems from government support services, something but there are times where we're going to just have to get right through it. And, yeah, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, wonderful. After 2019. Yay. Thank you. More, please. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I, I lost, I had a scholarship to GDC. I was a next generation leader from the IGDA. I never felt like I got to fully celebrate that. So I, I lost yeah. my scholarship or I'll, they kept the scholarship, but I lost the opportunity to go to GDC. We've, we've all been collectively dealing as a community with the loss of physical connection to each other, seeing each other at conferences. And it's just like, what are you going to do? Uh -huh. It's okay to feel sad about it. It's more than okay to feel sad about it. It's okay to feel angry about it, but you gotta, move on and groove on. It's we cannot stay stuck. We have all seen the trope of the person on television that is so buried in their trauma that they've made a fort. And then they've encased that fort in concrete. No, ain't, ain't nobody getting through that. And that is the coping skills that aren't there that is a lack of community and support. And, you know, I get a lot of people, a lot of strangers reach out to me on Twitter because of how I show up in the world. And some of the messages that I get are really quite hard for me because they're feeling unbelievably lonely and heartbroken and they don't feel like they want to be here anymore. Mm. And it's all I can do to say is that they are valued and it's hard. It's hard. And, and what I hope is that as we have more and more conversations around mental health and shame and emotional trauma and processing grief, then, then maybe we can destigmatize all of this and make it normal to talk about our feelings. So that people don't blow up at you or people don't sabotage you or people don't end their lives uh, uh -huh. to escape the pain. Yeah. So I really hope that, really hope that we can open up the conversation. And um, 
I think it would do us a world of good. A world of good. Yeah. Gene, those are my questions for this week. Um, so I think that was a really good conversation around grief. And thank you for sharing uh, some, some, some of the stories. Of the stories. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's, you know, I was sharing with somebody today who wants to become a, a speaker and, and write their journey of their own pain. And I was like, listen, I, <laughs> as, as jaded as this sound, is like I leverage all of my suffering so that other people can understand that they're not alone. And what I hope is for people listening to this episode is that they understand at the deepest human core, you are not the only person that has felt that pain. And that doesn't diminish your pain. But if you take anything away from this episode, it's that you are not alone in how you feel in your grief in your betrayal, in your sadness, and that today is a day and tomorrow is another day. And the thing that heals the the emotional static, the emotional cling, the emotional charge is just time. Time and being able to talk to your your people that will support you and process it, like suck out that poison. Get it off your chest, Mm. journal it, burn that stuff, burn it, journal it and burn it. And it doesn't need to belong in your body forever. And you can let it go. So thank you listeners for hanging around this um, heavier subject. And I will try to put together some resources on job loss and grief and also some information for international crisis counseling too, because I get it. Mental health, mental health practitioners are not easily accessible everywhere, especially if you don't have socialized healthcare and you don't have the means to be able to afford it. So I'll put together some resources for you, but I want each and every one of you that is listening to know that we care about you and, and we care that you're here and, and we hope that you, when you go to sleep tonight, that you get a better night's sleep than you did yesterday and that you're here with us tomorrow because you are valued and you are worthy and you are made of stardust. Mm-hmm.